Well, good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you who haven't met me yet, my name is Brendan. I'm part of the, uh, the ministry team here at Hume Ridge, and it's wonderful to, uh, to be here this morning. Wonderful to have you joining us as part of our service today. I've had an interesting last couple of days. Um, many of you who have uh, kind of known me for a while know that every Christmas or just before Christmas, I head out west. We do a trip each year called Christmas for the Bush Bash. And uh, we meet some incredible people on our trip out there. We do some concerts and Christmas carols for some of the small communities out that way. And um, one, of the, uh, one of the little places that we go to is a little town called Kaladi. And many of you have heard me talk about Kaladi. I've written a song about Kaladi. And uh, so it's a place that is very dear to my heart. Uh, the lady that used to own uh, the, the corner store, which is also the restaurant and the pub and the service station and <laughs> everything. Um, she was diagnosed with a pretty serious health issue uh, a few years ago, and uh, things aren't looking all that flash for her at the moment. And uh, she's moved from Kaladi, which is just west of Charleville. Uh, she now lives in Mowra. She uh, arrived back. She got um, the flying doctors flew her from Charleville to Mowra on Thursday. And uh, we kind of got wind that that was happening and um, the team got together and thought, how can we support her in this really difficult time? And so we kind of know people. One of the guys is a pilot and uh, he offered to fly us up to Mara um, yesterday. And so uh, we, a couple of us went up to Mara uh, to meet with Roxanne. And, and this is a picture of Roxanne. We're gonna put her up on the screen. This is Roxanne. And uh, we had the opportunity to meet with her, her mum, her two daughters, um, and just spend some time with her yesterday afternoon, uh, sang some songs with her, which was just wonderful. Uh, had the opportunity to pray with the family as well. Um, they are going through a really, really tough time. And um, so it was really, just really great that we could uh, do that. Great to know people who can fly planes. Uh, tell you what, that beats driving, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, so that was my yesterday afternoon. That was awesome. Then we, um, we said our goodbyes and um, went back out to the airport and jumped in the plane and the plane wouldn't start. <laughs> so about six hours later, we're still at the airport trying to fix the plane. Finally got it working, but thought it's too late to come back. So we stayed in Mara last night and um, got up early this morning and flew back. So uh, this morning, this morning, today's message is all about resolving to come to church. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, am, I am grateful that, uh, that I went up there with a team who uh, knew not only how to fly planes, but knew how to fix planes. So, uh, so that's very exciting. And I'm, I'm very, very pleased uh, to be able to to be here this morning with you to, uh, to share this message. Of course, today we continue our series called Resolve. Resolve to decide firmly on a course of action. Last week, if you were here, Ross started off the series by speaking about the importance of pre-deciding. In our world today, we are overloaded with choice which leads to what is known as decision fatigue, meaning that many of our decisions are made in the moment based on how we're feeling at that moment. 
which may not lead to the best or healthiest outcomes. A carefully thought through pre-decision may position you to handle a situation in a much wiser way. Ross also looked at the story of Daniel in the Old Testament, who along with his mates Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego resolved to living their lives God's way, despite the surrounding Babylonian culture demanding a less than God-honoring way of life. And despite the lethal consequences imposed by King Nebuchadnezzar if they did not comply with that culture. I like the way that Ross highlighted the difference between living in and living for. You might remember this. Even though Daniel lived in Babylon and was faithful in his service of its rulers, he lived for another kingdom and he lived for another king. If you missed Ross's message last week, please be sure to check it out online. Over the last few years, we've seen a fairly significant shift in our society towards something quite similar to how the Bible describes Babylon. We've seen the change in relation to perceptions of the church. Last year, we spoke about how the census highlighted Australia's increasing drift away from religion. One of the telltale signs was the number of people who did not return to church services following the lockdowns of the COVID pandemic. As has been noted, the pandemic did not cause this trend. It merely accelerated an existing pattern. Many churches have struggled, and unfortunately, some have even had to close their doors as a result of drastically depleted attendance. Contributing to the emptying of church buildings was the surge of services being streamed online in the wake of the pandemic response. Reliance on the internet for connection to church services also opened up access to almost every other church around the world who were streaming their services as well. The availability of your favourite preacher, your favourite sermon topic, your favourite worship singers, your favourite worship songs was all at our fingertips and continues to be 24-7. Around the world, people's perception of church was challenged. No longer would going to church on a Sunday be taken for granted. The regular routine began to be rewired. And so too did beliefs about the validity of gathering with other believers to worship. In the disruption of the day-to-day or the Sunday-to-Sunday, many people began to explore other options. The purpose of resolving to do something, like attend church, recognizes that there are always plenty of other options available to us. Now, with an overload of options and an awareness of decision fatigue, how do we know which option is the right option to resolve to? Not one that just feels right for the moment. When we turn around and look at where we've come these past few years, this church service today is happening not by chance, not by accident, not by convenience, 
but because of the resolve of this church family. 2023 is now well underway. And for the first time in three years here at Humeridge, the beginning of the year has been pretty close to unhindered. The last three years have brought unprecedented changes that we've needed to adapt to, wrestle with, push through, or work our way around. To make those kind of moves with a church this size is no mean feat. It's like dodging icebergs in a big ship. And we all know that that doesn't end all that well sometimes. We are where we are today, firstly, because of God's amazing grace. Nothing is impossible for him. And we are here today, secondly, because of the resolve of our church leaders. For Ross, and for our elders, and then also our ministry team, and of course, this awesome congregation. To be part of a church that pulled together that put humility and unity front and centre and set a course through the storm. That is something special. Things may not have seemed overly special or inspiring in the midst of all that upheaval of the last three years, but here we are today. God is good. God is faithful. Today I want to take a look at why we should continue to resolve to keep going? What is it that keeps us together? Why do we keep turning up for services or life groups or KYB or the other gatherings that happen throughout the week? Today, I'm mainly going to focus on our Sunday services, but I think what we'll discover is that there are similar reasons why across a lot of what we do. Why should we resolve to gather together? Understanding the why behind our resolutions is a critical first step. There are so many good reasons for coming together that often we don't know precisely why we're doing so. We often default to faulty or old assumptions to guide our decisions for gathering. The fact that we're here today at some point, shows us that we've all asked the question, should I go to church? Maybe the answer to that question has seen you here every possible Sunday for many, many years. Perhaps the answer to that question was only arrived at this morning, and here you are. Maybe the answer to that question has been satisfied by choosing to tune in online. Today, if I may, I'd like to challenge that question, should I go to church? Because I don't think that question hits at the heart of what we're about or what we should be about. A much better question, a question that aligns more closely to how the Bible describes the purpose and responsibility of a follower of Jesus is this, should I be involved in the church. Now, if you're new here, or if you're new to any church, spending some time to check out what the church is about before diving in can be a wise thing to do. It just so happens that we have a welcome morning tea in only a couple of weeks' time, 
where all that information will be talked about. And if you're new, you're invited to come along to that. Check us out. You'll hear a little bit more about that later in the service. For all the long-term attenders, and that includes anyone who's been here for any longer than, than a few weeks, if you're still coming along simply to spectate, then this message is for you. Being involved in church is more than just attending. Every follower of Jesus should be involved in the work of God's kingdom, which begins by being an active part of the church. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we read that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When Jesus spoke of building his church, he wasn't talking about building a place for his followers to turn up to. He was talking about building up his followers so that they would find their place in the work of his kingdom. Let me say that again. When Jesus spoke of building his church, he wasn't talking about building a place for his followers to turn up to. He was talking about building up his followers so they would find their place in the work of his kingdom. His followers are the church. And the Bible makes it pretty clear that regularly gathering together is something the church should resolve to do. As we heard, we've we are overloaded with decisions to make every day. We don't have time to carefully consider each one. And so we make a lot of assumptions about why we should do certain things in order to speed up that process. Sometimes we miss the point of why we do what we do, or we replace the actual why with one of our own whys without even realising it. And that can sometimes lead to some unhelpful thinking. When I was a kid, I can say that now, I'm over 30. When I was a kid, I equated going to church with going to school. Both required leaving the house and both required meeting with other people. I went to school through the week and on Sundays, I went to Sunday school where they'd mark off the role just like they did at school. Except at Sunday school, you just didn't get a tick in a book. You got a gold star on the big attendance chart right next to your name. Getting rewarded for turning up. How exciting. Sometimes, sometimes there'd be a prize at the end of the term for the person that had the most stars on their chart. It was amazing. And I imagined, as a little kid, I imagined that God kind of worked in the same way. Up there in the clouds every Sunday morning, opening up his big roll book, looking down. Oh, there's, there's little Brendan up to church. I'll grab one of those stars and put that in my book. What a good boy he was. <laughs> Uh, no heckling from the elders in the crowd. Thanks, Dion. <laughs> As a kid, I thought the point of going to church was 
going to church. And that was backed up by the adults who talk about who was at church and who wasn't at church. And then there was those elite Christians who would go to both morning and evening services. Imagine all the sticky stars they'd get. God would be smiling on them for sure. Rewards often determine purpose, or at least our, our perception of purpose. Rewards don't have to be physical things like stick-on stars or trophies or chocolate. A reward can simply be that, that warm, fuzzy feeling that we get. We can turn up to church simply because it makes us feel good. Feeling good is nice, but it's, it's not the purpose. So I'm wondering if you've taken some time today to consider why you're here or why you've joined us online. What is your purpose for being here? We could do a, a fill-in-the-blank kind of question. I am at church today to... There you go. I'm at church today to feel good. I'm at church today to be spiritually fed with a great message. See how we go with that. (laughs) I'm at church today to socialize or to catch up with my friends. I'm at church today to get a big tick in God's roll book. I'm at church today to, why do you need a reason? I'm here, aren't I? How much longer until I can get a coffee? We're glad you're here. God prepared good works for us to do. Each of us are God's handiwork, gifted by him for a purpose, a purpose that goes beyond gaining gold attendance stars. My purpose involves not just me, not just what I can get out of a service or a program, but most importantly, what can I put in? How can I contribute rather than simply consume what's going on? So let's take a look at what direction is provided in the Bible in regards to our purpose for gathering. We should note that direction for the gathering is given to the gathering. After the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the bulk of the New Testament is written about or to churches. So that everyone in the church is aware of the purpose. So that everyone is on the same page. So we've already established that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So that applies to us as individuals and as a church. And in Hebrews, we read about how carefully thinking through our God-given purpose reveals the foundational importance of gathering together. In Hebrews chapter 10, we read, let us consider, that means carefully think through in order to resolve. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The gathering is the primary place 
where encouragement is to happen, to do what we were created to do, love and good deeds. As our society drifts further from God's way of living, our ability to hold firm can be and will be challenged. We need encouragement to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. This journey of faith is not designed to be done alone. Discouragement, disbelief, disunity can easily creep in and take us off task. As we eagerly anticipate the day of Jesus' return, we need to resolve to not give up meeting together. And we must resolve to encourage one another. A great start to spur one another on toward love and good deeds is to resolve to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We need to be very aware of what comes out of our mouth. In the writing of James, we read about the damage our tongues can do. The book of Proverbs also warns us to guard our mouths. We must avoid unkind words, slander, gossip, lies, and reckless talk. We speak the truth in love. King Solomon described the soothing power of speaking with grace. He writes, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. What we say and how we say it can have a profound impact on someone's life. Solomon again reminds us that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So let's speak life into each other's lives. Encourage one another. Build one another up. Use words that are heartfelt and real, not just what we think people want to hear. The Apostle Paul gave a stern warning to the church in Corinth who used their words in fancy spiritual ways that sounded nice but came from a place of self-seeking attention. He wrote, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Powerful words. And our words need to be backed up with action. Love is an action. It's not just a word. It's not just a feeling. Love is doing. Love is not, I'm going to do. Love is showing up when it would be easier to back down. Talk is cheap. Love is costly. Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth is an excellent reminder of what the gathering should be all about. He addresses the drift towards selfishness and pride, something that we're all susceptible to. In chapter 12, he highlights the fact that every believer is gifted by the Holy Spirit and that those gifts are to be used for the edification, which is a fancy church word for the building up of 
or the encouragement of the congregation in their role in the work of God's kingdom. Different people, different gifts, different stages of faith, different backgrounds, all working together, all building up the church. We are all in this together, put here by God for his purposes. Paul emphasizes this when he compares the church to a body. He writes, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, then where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. This theme of unity comes through in all the letters to the early church. We come together united, not through race, not through age or political affiliation or skin color or whatever other box the world wants to put us in. We come together united in the belief of God's love for us and for the world. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. A love that needs to be reflected to all those around us. Not only in this place, but in every interaction that we have throughout the week. In the classrooms, on the work site, in the office, in our homes, at the shops, wherever and to whoever God leads us to, we follow his direction. Love begins with God. It was demonstrated by Jesus. It's shown and encouraged as we gather and it's shared as we scatter throughout the week. So before we scatter at the end of the service today, take a moment to be open to who the Holy Spirit may be leading you to encourage. What might you do or say to build someone up this morning? What are you willing to contribute to strengthen someone else's faith journey? How can you support the good deeds of others, the good deeds that they're doing to advance God's kingdom? If you've been encouraged by something that someone has said or done, let them know. It will be an encouragement to them. Here at Humeridge, we often talk about generosity. Let's continue to be generous in the way that we encourage one another as we gather together. Generous in the way that we support the work of God's kingdom so that we may be a blessing to others and so that the world will know that Jesus is our Lord and Saviour. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this gathering. I thank you for the freedom that we have in this country to do what we're doing today. Lord, we know that in many parts of the world, this is difficult and it's dangerous. 
So Lord, we just want to take this moment right now to pray for those churches that live in persecution. We pray that you would strengthen and encourage them. We thank you that we are united in our faith with every believer. And we want to make a difference in this world for you. Thank you for the plan and for the purpose you have for each person in this gathering here today. Keep us mindful of the importance of encouragement. May we continue to spur one another on towards love and good deeds and resolve to not forsake this gathering. I pray that we would resolve to do the hard work of getting along, that we would love one another as you have loved us so that the world will know the hope that we have in you. Amen.